Did you enjoy listening to Giles interviewing my mum just a minute ago? Yeah, wasn't that great, wasn't it? How many of you are up for going and selling up everything you've got and moving to Mozambique? <laughs> couple? Okay. I noticed on one side there was one hand of a married couple that went up, and on the other side there was one hand of another married couple that went up. <laughs> we might be doing some marriage counselling after this session. <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Darling, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I've sold the house. <laughs> All your stuff's outside. Uh, you know, when you hear stories like that, we can be amazed and encouraged by, by great faith. And we can think, wow, it takes amazing faith to do something like that. It takes amazing faith to pack up everything you've got. Uh, my mum's got about 10 boxes, plastic boxes, with her stuff in. That's it. Um, the rest, there's a little bit in Mozambique, and that's about everything she has. This is kind of the, the answer to the Desert Island Discs question of what would you take on the Desert Island with you as, long as, you, as well as your tracks. Well, not a lot is the answer. And you might be thinking, well, it would take so much faith. God would have to speak so clearly for me to go. The, the danger for us is that we put people like that in another category of Christianity. We put people like that in another category and say, well, that's, that's for them. That's some kind of amazing faith. Well, I, and I've only just got an ordinary faith. As if there's some kind of difference, and I want to talk about amazing faith today and what that really looks like. Uh, because sometimes I think we can classify thing, people differently and exclude ourselves from living in the promise of God. And I believe that actually God's call and God's promise to each of us is the same. It might look different, we might end up in different places, but the strength of the call and the demands on our lives is exactly the same, whoever we are. It makes no difference. And so we're going to read a story from the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 7, and it's a slightly unusual story, but it's a good one, and some of you will be familiar with this. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was ill and about to die. It's Luke chapter 7. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house. When the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lords, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I want to make a few observations about this really uh, really, I think really simply today. And the first is this, that faith comes not when everything's sorted out, but faith actually comes when there's a need. Faith, amazing faith isn't marked by the absence of need, it's marked by trusting God in the middle of need. Because sometimes we can look at other people who have great faith, and we say, I couldn't trust God like they do. And then as well as that, we sometimes think, well, but they've got it a bit more together than I have anyway. 
And actually the answer is that that's not always the case. And this story starts with a centurion who has a great need. He has a great need because he's, he's a man of some influence, he's a man of some authority. Roman centurions, I was told at school, have 100 soldiers under them, hence the name. Actually, they have about 70 or 80 soldiers under them. Um, for some reason, it's not quite 100. Um, but they, he's got these soldiers under him who depend on him. Where he says go, they go. When he says jump, they jump. When he says we're going into battle, they go into battle. These men's lives depend on him. Roman soldiers didn't get married. They may have had some women around the place, but they didn't actually get married and commit to relationships because they could have been all over the, the place at any one time. And so this guy has got a band of brothers depending on him. And, he, and he's a, a generous man. Roman soldiers, particularly centurions, were reason, well, centurions were reasonably well paid. They formed an important part of society. And the Bible story tells us that this centurion had denoted, uh, donated money to pay for the building of a synagogue. Uh, and Roman centurions would give money to uh, projects around them, to often to kind of curry favor with the locals and to kind of integrate themselves into society. That was reasonably normal to do. And this man has chosen to do it in a particular way. So he's a man of influence, he's a man of authority, he's a man who knows how commands work and he's, he can fix stuff, he's got some money, he could pay for a doctor if only the doctor could help. But in this situation, the doctor can't. And faith starts when actually you don't have a lot, quite often. And there'd be a situation in most of our lives which we can't fix. I tell you, it's a great place for amazing faith to start. Not in the absence of need, but right in the middle of it. Secondly, we see this, that faith leads us to Jesus. This centurion, I guess he tried a few things. The Bible tells us that he, he had a servant and he valued him highly and the servant was ill and about to die. Now, listening to my mum talking about some of the things that she's seen, just yesterday, oh, this morning, yesterday, there was a story about a couple of the, the small children who had died in the last week at the center where she's working. It's heartbreaking. And people are doing everything they can, humanly speaking, to, to, to fix and to heal and to care. And there's people praying and, and trying to make a difference. And when something like that is happening, you try everything you can to make a difference. But this centurion discovered that not only could he not fix it, but his faith led him to Jesus. Amazing faith leads us to Jesus because he is the source, the of all of our faith. Thirdly, and this is a really key point, we discover that faith is not about us. So the centurion has sent uh, some elders of the synagogue to go to Jesus, to go and see if Jesus would come and heal his servant. That's the background that we've been looking at. And we discover that faith is not about this. And there's a really interesting couple of verses in this passage which I just want to pull out to you today. Verse 4, these are the elders who've gone to Jesus. They plead earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. And so Jesus went with them. Second passage, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. 
Now it sounds like from reading the first passage that the, the elders of the synagogue are so grateful for this man's generosity. That they have, they're going to Jesus of their own accord to persuade him to come and heal the centurion's servant. They're putting their own stamp on it and saying, well, the, he wants us to come, but actually we're giving our endorsement to it and we're backing him up because he deserves it. He's a good man. And I'm sure there's a bit of that. You see, the man deserving it has several aspects to it. One of them is the fact that he's a Gentile, not a Jew, and Jesus shouldn't go near a, Jew, a Gentile's home. He shouldn't, certainly shouldn't go in a Gentile's home. But these elders perhaps are standing there and saying, well, well, even though he's a Gentile, he deserves it in this case because he's been generous to us. So come, come and heal his servant, please. He, he, he's a good one. He's not like one of the others. He, he's okay, this one. He's a good bloke. He's paid some money. Come and help. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's part of it that he's a, he's, he, he loves the nation. So there's some kind of movement towards Judaism, a movement towards God, and maybe they're saying, well, he's, he's on a faith journey. Come and do this for him. Actually, we go back and we read that it was the centurion who sent the elders. And when you look into the phrase that's here, this man deserves to have you do this, we discover that the Greek words that it's written in actually are just pretty much the Latin transcribed. It's the Roman soldier's own Latin that's been transcribed almost into the Greek that's been preserved and translated into our English. So it's quite possible that it's actually the man's own sense of deserving Jesus to come that's been preserved in that verse for us. That the elders are actually repeating not their own words, but words of the centurion who's in verse 4 saying, well, actually, I think I deserve this. I think actually I'm a pretty good bloke. And I deserve Jesus to come because after all, I've paid for the synagogue and I'm, I'm God-fearing and, and I'm all right. I'm not like some of the others. And so Jesus goes. No, I'd love to know what that's all about. I'd love to know why Jesus goes when he's being told, oh, this man deserves it because he's paid some money. Because it doesn't sound like that's our Jesus. Jesus isn't interested by someone paying money. Jesus isn't interested by all the rest of it. I just wonder what Jesus was anticipating when he walked. I wonder if he was going, well, this could be fun. Let's see where this one goes. Because Jesus never shied away from a conflict. He never walked into them uh, just to cause trouble. But I can imagine that this could have been a really interesting one. But something happens between verse 6, first part of verse 6 and the second part of verse 6. Something happens and And actually, I've missed it out of the the text on here, but the Bible text says the the clue between the shift here, between the first part and the second part, says this. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I want to tell you this. That everything changes when Jesus comes near. Everything changes. Our perspective on ourselves, our perspective on what we do and don't deserve, our perspective on God, our perspective on our need, everything changes because there's a radical shift between these two verses that I put on the screen for you and it changes because God comes near. I've spoken to so many people who've said to me, well, when I stand before God one day, I think I'll be all right. Because, you know, I think I've been all right. I think I've been pretty good. 
you know, I've never killed anybody. I've never done anything really bad. And then there's often a pause. And they go, well, well, there was that time. And maybe that other time. But nothing really bad. Not as bad as so-and-so. And we project into our future a moment when we may stand before God and we say, I think I'll be okay. Because on balance, I've not been as bad as some of those people who end up on Crime Watch. Well, the worst bits of Crime Watch. Maybe some of the other bits are a little bit more like them, but not the worst bits. And we end up saying, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. I think I'll be all right. And we project into the future a sense of our own being okay. Others, on the other hand, who carry great grieves and have thought about the, the pain and suffering in the world, flip it round and say, when I get to see God, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You may have seen the news story that's um, been recycled around with Stephen Fry getting into trouble uh, for some comments he made years ago now. When he was unpacking this very thought, when I get to stand before God, I'll tell him. This, 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 this. All of that changes when Jesus comes close. All of it. It's okay from a distance. It's okay when we're projecting into the future. One day when I get to see God, this is what I'll say. I'll ask him this. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay before him because actually this man, this Roman centurion is showing us that everything shifts when God begins to come near. You see, Jesus is on his way to the house and the man changes his attitude. No more is he sending more elders to say, please get him to come. He's sending people to say, don't get him to come. Don't get him to come. Tell him, tell him something else. The message has changed. The message has changed because something has happened. I don't know if this man stood on his roof looking out and can see Jesus coming. I don't know if he can just hear the crowd. We get no clue as to why it shifted. But suddenly, he sends more people and says, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I do not deserve for you to come under my roof. From a distance, the man justifies himself. Thinks of all the reasons why God may not want, Jesus may not want to come near to him. Packages up a whole load of reasons. I'm a good bloke. I've given money. I think I should be okay. I think God should answer my prayer in, on this occasion because. But when God actually comes close, the whole story changes. Faith Amazing faith is not about us. It's not about us. It's not about the individual. It's just about Jesus. We also see in this passage that amazing faith is, is, takes God at his word. Takes God at his word. The, the, the centurion says, but say the word and my servant will be healed. I don't deserve you to come under my roof, but just say the word. Jesus responds, and says, this is, this is amazing. There's only two occasions in the whole of the Gospels that Jesus is surprised. It takes a lot to surprise God, for obvious reasons. Because he kind of knows what's happening, and what's going to happen, and everything that everyone's ever going to do. And Jesus expresses amazement on two occasions, and they're both connected with faith. One where there's a lack of faith in a group of people, and this is the only other one. And he says, on this occasion, for this man... He was amazed at his faith. Jesus says, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. He's not found anybody else prepared to take him at his word in quite the same way the centurion was. 
centurion who says, I've got men under my command. I can say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes, and this one, do it. Just say the word, and it'll be okay. When God speaks, take him at his word. I believe that's what amazing faith is. And we can sometimes say, well, I haven't heard God speak. My mum spoke about a time of audibly hearing God. I've never heard God audibly speak to me. I've heard very clearly that it was God speaking, but not an actual voice I've heard through these. But God has said plenty of stuff that I need to take him at his word on. And if you're not sure that God's ever spoken to you, there's plenty in here that you can be getting started on, that God has spoken. And we can take him on his word on that when he says, love your enemies, he does actually mean love your enemies. When he says, trust me, when he says, repent and be baptized, or when he says, you must be born again, that actually he's speaking and we need to take him at his word. It's really simple. And, and that's what amazing faith is. It takes God at his word and says, okay, you speak and I'll do it. Fifthly, we see this, that amazing faith is bold. The actual wording of this, this is kind of anglicized and it's a bit more polite than the centurion actually says it. He actually says, uh, when he sends the message to Jesus, he says, he doesn't say, but say the word and my servant will be here. He says, speak and heal my servant. Say the word and heal my servant. He's actually giving an imperative, a direction to Jesus. Not please say the word and he will be healed, I trust you, but he's being bold. There's an element of boldness and courageousness that amazing faith has that isn't presumptuous, but speaks confidently to the one that we're calling to that we can trust in. Jesus, at another point, elevates the faith of a child when he says, if you, if you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you trust me like a child, unless you follow me like a child. As I was thinking about this, this brief message, children don't think about themselves when they come and ask for something. They don't wonder if they deserve it or don't deserve it. They don't justify it like the centurion initially started off doing and like the elders did. They don't say, please, can I have a something because I've done this and I'm, I'm a good person, I'm a good child, and I'm better than some of the other children. It's just, please, can I have? There's a confidence in the approach that's really simple. There's a confidence in coming and saying, I want. Some kids phrase it differently, I need. And then you have the intellectual debate with them, do you really need it or do you want it? Which is a fruitless debate, as we all know. But the point I want to make is the confidence by which they approach and they come and they just say, I want, I need, I must have, give me now. But there's a confidence that comes. When we come to God, I think often we've lost that confidence. Often we come and we think, I want to pray for something I'm in need. I'm going to ask God, and and we ask, and and that's probably okay. And if nothing happens immediately, sometimes God heals immediately and he answers immediately, but sometimes nothing happens, and we we kind of go back and we go, well, well, I'll pray a bit harder then, because if I pray harder, I'll have more reason to go to God, because he'll be more pleased with me because I've prayed harder. Or I'll do something else, or I'll give something away, or I'll be kinder, or I'll be more gracious, or I'll deal with that thing God told me to deal with, and then I'll come back to him and go, God, I did that thing that you told me. I deserve it now. And we're building ourselves up so that we deserve, and we deserve, and God has to, and God must. That's not boldness. That's pleading on the basis of who we are and what we've done, that somehow we deserve God to act. We don't deserve anything. 
The centurion gets it right when he says, I don't deserve you to come. There's nothing about me or my approach or my giving to the synagogue or anything else about me that merits you coming to heal my servant. Nothing. I don't deserve it. But say the word and heal him. At the same time as humility, where we see a final recognition that he has nothing to offer, we see audacious faith where he says to Jesus, heal my servant. Speak the word, it's enough. Jesus responds with delight. I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. What do we see in this little passage about amazing faith? We see that faith is not about us. Please don't compare your own faith with that of somebody else and say, I don't measure up, I've not got enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not good enough, I could never do that. Please also, don't try and build a case when you're going to God. Build a convincing case that that convinces you that you're, you're worthy of standing at the front of the queue so God should deal with your request first. It doesn't work like that. You've got nothing to offer, but he loves you anyway. But don't diminish your confidence. Come with confidence boldly to the king. Boldly. And stand and say, God, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to take you at your word. And then let him speak and do what he says. That's it. Shall we pray?